This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young, and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep, or perhaps to give you nightmares. Linda Chen was a 32-year-old mother of one with a history of dating terrible, abusive men. She thought her luck had finally changed when she met her fiancé, Mats Elms. The couple lived together in an apartment in Sweden, and they were just a week away from their wedding when tragedy struck. Linda was last seen on a grocery store surveillance camera with her fiancé, Mats. All of the events that happened after that are unclear. Mats took the role of devastated fiancé very seriously during the two months that Linda was missing, but there are many, including the police, who just didn't believe his story. The suspicion was only heightened after Mats claimed that he was kidnapped and beaten by two Chinese men who wanted his money. He said he woke up after being assaulted by these two men, and to his shock and horror, lying next to him was the body of his missing fiancée, Linda. Tonight, we're talking about one of Sweden's most famous and disturbing unsolved murder cases. I also want to note here that a lot of the news articles and documents related to this case aren't in English, so I did have to use my dear friend Google Translate. The details are interpreted using my best efforts. Let's jump right in. Linda was a 32-year-old young woman with a really difficult past, but a resilient spirit. She was born in China in 1977, but she was torn away from her parents at a very young age because they had broken the one-child rule that the country had in place at the time when they had her little brother. The two children spent some time at an orphanage in the Philippines before they were finally granted refugee status in Sweden when she was only 15 years old. Linda and her brother would grow up in a children's home with one of the caretakers, a woman named Aino Johansson, taking a special interest in her. To Linda, Aino was more like a mother and she was grateful to have her in her life, especially while she waited until the rest of her family back in China could join her in Sweden. 
with all of the trauma that she had to endure in her life, it's no wonder that her friends and family would describe her as being someone who wanted to be loved more than anything. She dreamed of finding a partner to spend her life with. She craved a safe and loving husband, and she wanted to find him desperately. And for that reason, she was also very vulnerable to men who might want to take advantage of her. As was evident in her first and second marriages, which only lasted a few years and both of which failed after allegations of abuse, during one of these marriages, she would conceive a son, who she loved very much, but left in the custody of his father. She had dreams of getting her life together, becoming a nurse, and one day getting full custody of her son, but she would never have that chance. In 2008, Linda was working at a restaurant near where she lived in Fallon, Sweden, called China Thai Restaurant. It didn't pay very well, but it did cover all of her expenses like rent and food, and it allowed her to speak her mother tongue of Mandarin. Linda was described as being a fashion and music enthusiast who took pride in her appearance. She always made sure that she was dressed up, hair done, with a face full of makeup any time that she left the house. It was important for her to always put her best foot forward, especially because she began dating again. Linda started chatting online with a man named Mats Alm, who was two years older than Linda. Mats was studying to be a language teacher, so he didn't have time to work a job, and he was basically living off of his student loan. The pair quickly hit it off right after their first date, and it wasn't long before Mats moved into Linda's apartment and the couple began to talk about marriage. Like Linda, Mats had been married before. He wasn't new to online dating. He had actually met his last wife on a dating site too, a young woman from Peru who he traveled to meet and proposed to almost immediately. There had been trouble fairly early on in their relationship. He didn't have the money to pay for the wedding that his fiance dreamed of, so instead of trying to save up enough, he decided instead to embezzle about $10,000 from his job at a local shop. Ultimately, the marriage fizzled because of his crime, the strain over finances, and him deciding to leave her for another woman. Just like Matt's had done with his first wife, he moved quickly, and he proposed to Linda just a few months after they had begun dating. Linda was excited at the prospect of finally finding her forever in Matt's. She accepted the proposal, and they set their wedding date for one year later, August 8, 2009. In that time, Linda would have to work really hard at her job to pay the bills and to save for their wedding because Matt's, he was still in school studying to become a teacher and he wasn't bringing in any substantial income. It's unclear how much Linda was aware of, but Matt's also had a ton of debt that he wasn't really bothering to pay off. It was just accumulating. He had a horrible credit score. She may have been blissfully unaware or maybe blissfully ignorant, but friends and family believed that she was really happy in her relationship. So they supported her, even if they thought Matt's could be a little bit controlling. He was the type of guy who always had to know where Linda was and who she was with. 
but Linda felt loved and cared for. He even insisted on picking her up from work after each of her shifts. Take that how you will. Some might see that as controlling, while other people might find that to be sweet. Now, the date is August 1st, 2009. Linda and Matt's wedding is a little bit over a week away, and there is a ton of excitement in the air. Apparently, the couple had already had their wedding photos done, with Linda wearing a dress that she had picked out special for the occasion, and Matt's, he was already seen wearing his wedding ring. Now, if I have any listeners from Sweden, you'll have to let me know if that's something that's typical, to have your wedding photos taken over a week in advance of the wedding. I don't think I've ever heard of that type of situation being done here in Canada, unless there was a really special reason, but I mean, I could be wrong. They got much of the legal stuff out of the way too, including setting up their life insurance policies with each other listed as the beneficiaries. Linda also set aside an inheritance for her son, and she instructs Matt to give it to her son when he turns 18 years old. She definitely doesn't want her ex-husband getting his hands on any of the trust, just in case something were to happen to her. They had a church booked with a reception to follow at one of their favorite restaurants. And Linda's family, they were set to fly in within the next few days from China for the wedding, so it was down to the final stretch. That day, Saturday, August 1st, Linda worked from 11am to 4pm at the restaurant. She arrived home just after that, where she finds her fiancé, Max, is watching TV in the living room. They decide to head to the grocery store to pick up some steaks, because the following day, they have plans to have Matt's parents over for dinner. They go to City Gross to pick up the steaks, and they're both seen on the store's video surveillance footage, leaving and walking out the doors at 4.38pm. Matt's towers over Linda. He's so much taller than his 4'10 fiancé, but they look really happy together. They're seen smiling and laughing at each other while she is holding onto his arm. Linda is seen wearing a white top and white leggings, as well as black sandals. This would be the last confirmed sighting of Linda. Allegedly, Linda and Matt drive home to drop off their groceries, then they decide to take a drive and check out a few things in anticipation of the wedding. Linda's family, they'll be arriving within the next few days, so she wants to drive around and check out a few spots that might be good to show them. She also wanted to do one final check of the church and the restaurant where they were going to be holding the reception. In total, this trip lasted two and a half hours. They would stop at this cute cafe located along the river where they had a bite to eat and looked at a tugboat. Next, they went to the church where they were to be married, and then they tried to go to the restaurant, but it was closed, so they couldn't. Linda and Matt returned back to their apartment at 8pm that night. This is when Linda told her fiancé that she had plans to go out with some friends that evening. She didn't say where she was going or with who, but after they have a late dinner, she begins to get ready by washing her hair and doing her makeup. Then she puts on the same clothing that she had worn earlier on that day, the white top, the white leggings, but this time she decides to switch up the shoes. She replaces the black sandals that she was wearing earlier on that day with a set of high heels. They're actually her wedding shoes. And then at around 9pm that night, she heads out the door to meet up with her friends. According to Matt's, 
Linda did not return home that evening. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes? Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals that are also dietitian approved. No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon, because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day, because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious, with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. 
There would be a multitude of phone calls and text messages sent to Linda's phone from Matt's between the hours of 1 a.m. and 8 a.m., but he received no answer back. She didn't answer the phone, nor did she respond to any of the texts. Just after 9 a.m. the following morning, Matt's decides to call the local police to report his fiance as missing. At that point, they don't really take what he's saying all that seriously. She's a grown woman. She has allegedly gone out on her own with some friends, so in their eyes, it's far more likely that she's sleeping off a hangover somewhere versus something criminal happening to her. They tell him to call back later if she still hasn't turned up, and hey, in the meantime, if he wants to be productive, maybe he should start calling around to some of the hospitals to see if maybe she's there. Linda does not show up for work. Mats continues to try to call her cell phone with no luck. When Tuesday rolls around and Linda still has not been heard from, Mats decides to walk into the police station to report her missing, hoping that this time they'll take him seriously. And they do. They take the report, and this is the first time that Mats would be interviewed by authorities. He recalls to them what they did the day that she disappeared. She came home from work, they went to the grocery store, then they went for a drive to a couple of different locations, they returned home at around 8pm, Linda got ready, and went out. Matt's told them that she didn't mention where she was going or with who, but he thought that she might have been with a friend from work, a man named Tony Chen. He described Linda as last being seen dressed head-to-toe in white, that white top, leggings and heels, and a white handbag. When police started digging into Linda's disappearance and Matt's statement, there were some very clear issues and huge red flags. Investigators were able to confirm some parts of Matt's timeline that day of the disappearance. Linda did in fact go to work, and the couple definitely did go to the grocery store to pick up those steaks as seen on the video. However, they weren't able to verify any of the claims after that. No one had seen Linda returning to the apartment with groceries or leaving her apartment later that evening to go out with friends. Police also spoke with Tony Chen, Linda's co-worker, who Matt's thought that she may have gone out with. He denied being with Linda that night, and he said that they never hung out, not outside of work. They weren't really friends, more like acquaintances who spoke when they were working their shifts. Police also spoke with Linda's ex-husband and the father of her son, but he has an alibi for the night of the disappearance. As for that two-and-a-half-hour drive that Matt's claimed that they took after the grocery store, there were some holes in that story, too. He claimed that the first thing that they did was stop at a cafe to look at a tugboat that was on the water. But he didn't have a valid receipt to back it up. In fact, he gave them a receipt that was dated for the day prior to the disappearance. He claimed that they then went to the church where the wedding was to be held, but no one could verify that either. Then he claimed that they went to the restaurant where their reception was booked, but he had said it was closed so they couldn't go inside. When investigators spoke with the restaurant, they learned that they were in fact open that Saturday night, and they were very busy. They were hosting a large event there. Still, the police had to do more investigating to figure out why things weren't adding up. A full investigation is launched and a search to find Linda Chen begins. 
Her family members start to arrive in Fallon, where they are supposed to be attending her wedding, but instead, they're there to help find the missing woman. Flyers are put up everywhere, and her photo was posted at the front page of the local newspaper. This is actually how I know the woman from the children's home, who was more like a mother to her, found out that she was missing. She had seen the missing persons flyer. It bothered her that Matt didn't call her to let her know, just because of how close they had been. When she instead called him to find out what had happened to Linda, she was surprised to hear his cheery voice on the other end of the line. In her opinion, he didn't sound like a grieving fiancé. Still, she was determined to help find Linda. While police continue their investigation into Linda's whereabouts, Mats does several interviews and he goes on a popular Swedish live TV program that features different crime stories. During Linda's segment, Mats looks like a broken man. He holds her wedding dress up to the camera and he talks about his total devastation. He also sounds kind of like he has given up. He's given up hope in finding her, and he seems like he's decided that she's likely dead. The host of the TV program, well, he agrees, and he mentions that most people who are murdered are killed by their partners. A little over a month passes since Linda first disappeared, and while it seemed like the investigation was very quiet, there was a lot happening in the background. The police had been building a case against Matt's Elm, believing that he likely had something to do with Linda's disappearance. They couldn't verify her whereabouts after that trip to the grocery store because they couldn't find anyone else who had seen her after that. They also learn about Matt's looming debt and how Linda had paid all of the bills, including paying back his student loan. They think that money could be a motive, Matt's stood to inherit Linda's life insurance. In mid-September, they ask Matt's to come to the station the following day for a second interview, but he doesn't show up. So they go to his house, but no one answers the door. They go to his work, and they learn that he didn't show up. Matt's now also appears to be missing right along with his fiance Linda. Then, two days later, Two residents living in a cottage country area of Sweden, they call police after seeing a man running out of the wood line towards them with burn marks on his body. His hair is singed and he has injuries on his wrists. He's clearly hurt and needing help, so they put a blanket over him and they wait for the police to arrive. When the police do pull up, they find Mats lying on the ground with burns on his body. He's crying about something, trying to say something, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He tells them that he has found Linda and that she has been murdered. Obviously shocking information that they need more details about. He continues to tell the police that two days prior, he was at his apartment when there was a knock at the door. He answers, and it's two Chinese men. One is holding a knife, and they force their way inside. They make him take two white pills, and he passes out. He says that when he wakes up, he's in the trunk of a car, and the men, they're demanding Linda's money. He says he doesn't know where Linda's money is, but they make him take two more pills, and once again, he passes out. 
The next day, he wakes up again in the trunk of a car with the two Chinese men deciding to give him a bit of food, a bit of chop suey to eat, and then they give him a cup to pee in. Once again, they ask him where Linda's money is, and once again, he says he doesn't know. He's forced to take two white pills, and he passes out. This time, he says when he wakes up, he's in the woods with his clothing on fire. Next to him was Linda's body, which was badly decomposing. It was covered in brush, but he said that he knew it was her. He then gives police directions to the location where they find human remains. The body is too badly decomposed to be immediately identified. However, it does look like a female who is wearing the same clothing that Linda was reported wearing the day that she went missing. Still, they would need the medical examiner's office to confirm the identity of the remains. In the meantime, Max was sent to the hospital to be treated for his injuries, but once he was released, he was immediately taken into police custody on suspicion of murder. Matt denies having anything to do with Linda's death, and he says that he is actually the victim. Maybe these two guys who showed up at his door were part of the Chinese mafia. While investigators were waiting for positive confirmation of the body, they examined the area where it had been found. There were obvious signs of a fire, including burnt wood and fabric. They also found a set of red shoes, which would later be confirmed to belong to Matt's. It didn't appear that Linda had been killed in the same place that her body was found, but they had no idea where the crime had actually taken place. When Linda's autopsy came back, it was determined that she had likely died sometime between August 1st and the 9th. Unfortunately, her body was just too badly decomposed. No cause of death could be determined. Still, the case against Matt's, it continued. There was a lot of circumstantial evidence that pointed towards him killing Linda. The burns on his body, they were superficial, and there were no drugs found in his system despite his claims of being drugged. And then, they received a huge tip from an unlikely source. Matt's parents came forward with a laptop bag that they had found in their boiler room. It contained a digital camera with an SD card, some cash, a necklace, and a ring that he used to wear. There was also what has been described as a farewell letter to his parents that basically apologized, said that he needed to give them these items for safekeeping, and he tells them that he loves them. Though the letter appeared to be in Matt's handwriting, he would deny ever writing it. When investigators looked at the digital camera, they found a selfie of Matt's that was dated September 16th, the day after he claimed to have been abducted from his apartment. The picture showed him well, alive, smiling. Matt's, he would deny that those were photos of him, instead saying that it must be a lookalike. Perhaps his captors hired someone who looked just like him and then planted the photos to try to discredit him. Sure, Jan. But that wasn't the only piece of damning evidence. During one of the days that Matt's claimed he was being held against his will, someone was using his laptop to connect to the Wi-Fi at Stockholm Library. Whoever used the laptop at this time searched the names of several people close to Matt's, including his ex-wife. 
Police believed that Mats had likely killed Linda Chen and then tried to get rid of evidence by lighting her body on fire. Maybe he accidentally lit himself on fire in the process, and then he had to quickly come up with some kind of story of how he wound up in that situation. Or maybe it was an attempt to kill himself, but he just couldn't go through with it. Or perhaps it was all a part of the plan, his story about the two Chinese abductors and how they were looking for Linda's money. Maybe it was just his way to finally get rid of her body because he was tired of hiding it. Because a cause of death couldn't be determined and it wasn't 100% clear if she had actually been murdered, Matt's Elm, he was charged with manslaughter and desecration of a body. His trial began in March of 2010, and despite the mountain of circumstantial evidence against him, he pled not guilty. And it's true, all the police really had was circumstantial. They were able to prove that Matt's was a liar, but they couldn't prove that Linda had been killed and that Matt's did it. The trial lasted for two months before Matt's was found guilty of desecration of a body but not guilty for manslaughter. Unfortunately, the prosecution just couldn't prove how or where the alleged murder happened. For the first charge of desecration to a body, he received an 18-month sentence, which both the prosecution and the defense agreed to. Because he was acquitted of murder, he was also free to collect Linda's life insurance money. Surprisingly, perhaps out of guilt or I don't know why, he did decide he would give the money to Linda's son. While many people, including Linda's closest friends and family, believe that Matt's did have something to do with her death, Linda's murder remains unsolved to this day. That's it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. Did you know I also have a Serial Napper True Crime Discussion Group? Because I do. It's called Serial Society, and I'll have the link in my show notes. Hop on over there because I would love to chat with you about all of the cases that I cover and more. You can find my audio on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find my video posted over on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, I would love if you can give me a thumbs up and subscribe. I'm also over on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Serial underscore Napper, and I post things on TikTok, Serial Napper Nick, and that's all one word. Until next time, sweet dreams, stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.